Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. This Sunday is the last Sunday I have to preach to you before Christmas. Next Sunday, we have the children's Christmas program, and then it'll be Christmas Eve, and we'll have Christmas. So um, I wanted to share with you today a message uh, that relates to Christmas um, on Advent, actually. So let's actually go ahead and uh, open your Bibles if you have them. I'm going to read a couple things to you. Chad, I didn't put this one back there, so take a break for a second. Uh, We're going to start in Luke uh, chapter 2, actually chapter 1, starting in verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest, the Lord God, who, with, who will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. Amen. Now we're going to jump uh, to Revelation chapter 1. You always go to Revelation for a good Christmas message, don't you? (laughs) Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 4. It says, John and the seven churches which are in Asia... Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness of the firstborn from the dead. And the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins. To his, or in his blood, in his own blood. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so. Amen. And then Jesus says this, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come the Almighty. Amen. This is the season of Advent. And if you're like me and grew up in the uh, evangelical traditions, you probably have assumed that Advent is just another word for Christmas. And if you're like me, you'd be wrong. (laughs) It's not just another word for Christmas. It has to do with the Christmas season. But Advent is literally what Advent means. The word means coming. And what Advent is, it's the season before Christmas. It starts November 28th, and it goes all the way up until the day of Christmas. It ends on Christmas Eve. Then at 12 o'clock on December 25th, we transition from Advent to He is here. We transition from we are waiting and expecting 
to the promise has arrived. Amen. So Advent is the season of hope. It's the season before the fulfillment of the promise. It's the, the season where we are expecting the incarnation of God himself. So Advent is all about hope. Advent, the season leading up to Christmas, is all about the season of expectation. That we are not there yet, but we are almost there. Amen? That we are not there yet, but we are almost there. Advent is a beautiful season of hope, but it is also a brutal teacher for those of us living in the 21st century. Why? Because it, it is a season of hope, but it's also a season of being patient. And living in the 21st century, in the, in a, in a, in the century where we get everything instantly, being patient the art of being patient has been lost. We want everything to come right now, instant gratification. The other day, we were in town, and we were doing some shopping. I don't remember what we were doing. We were in town, and we were driving around, and the kids start complaining because they're hungry, and we're starting to get hungry, so we're saying, we, we thought we'd hit a drive through Our kids love Culver's. I used to love Culver's. Until our kids started loving Culver's. And every time we go to town with them, what do they want to eat? Culver's. <laughs> it used to be Fazoli's. And, and we've, we've, yeah, that's, I think it's an upgrade. At least Culver's has meat, right? <laughs> you know? So, so we, 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 we ask them, what do they want to eat? Of course, they yell Culver's. So we hit the drive-thru at Culver's. We go through the line. And they give us the little number, the little tag. And they tell us to pull off in the drive, the, the space off to the side, a drive, uh, a parking space. So we pull off the parking space. I roll my window down a little, set the number on. We're ready for our food. Five minutes goes by, no food. Eight minutes goes by, no food. I'm looking in my mirrors. I'm watching the guy, you know, walk out with bags in his hand. And I get excited. And then he walks to another car. And I'm bummed out. Ten minutes goes by. No food. I'm watching this guy just keep going car after car and not coming to our car. By this time, ten minutes about goes by. Our kids are getting whiny. They're complaining. They're getting agitated because they're hungry. They're tired. They're sick of sitting and waiting. And because they're getting tired and frustrated, you know then what happens to the parents. We begin getting frustrated and a little bit more snippy and a little, you know, you know how it goes, moms and dads. And so there's, it's just brewing this frustration in our vehicle because we ordered fast food and it's not coming fast. So about 15 minutes goes by. I look and I see the guy walk out. He goes to a car. And this time, the car that he goes to, I've been watching, Right. He goes to a car that was behind us. And I just, am, I'm frustrated, you know? So I roll my window down and I go, hey, <laughs> we haven't got our food yet. And the guy, he's, I don't know, maybe, you know, 16 years old, just a kid, comes over and he, he looks nervous as can be. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a good Christian, so I'm not, you know, screaming at him. But I'm like, hey, you know, we haven't got our food. I just noticed you brought 
food out to the guy that was directly behind us, you know, you know and, uh, and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry about that. I'll, I'll go check on it now. So long story short, actually, that's pretty much it, the whole story. <laughs> he goes back a few seconds later. He comes back out with our food. But, but, but we were frustrated because we had to wait 15 whole minutes to feed our family of five. You know, when you go to a fast food restaurant, you expect it to be fast, right? 15 minutes. And, and I was thinking about this. I'm like, how silly are we that we get, we get upset because it takes two minutes or 15 minutes for them to prepare a meal for my family of five, but then we get mad at what the food does to our bodies afterwards. <laughs> Like, do we realize what kind of chemicals they have to pump into that food to get it ready that quickly? But our impatience, our impatience has, has developed this culture in this culture where we can't wait for anything, right? Even social media, you know, we have Instagram instantly. Like in the past, if you wanted to know how your friend was doing that lived in a different state, you had to write them a letter right? Or, you know, that was maybe way back when, or you had to at least pick up the phone and call them. And you had to do that when you were at home because you didn't have a cell phone to do it then. And you had to hope that they were home and you didn't get their answering machine, right? And there was this patience. You had to, you, you wrote the letter to that friend and, you know, you told him it was a, it was a long winter, you know, Johnny lost two toes and this is how we're doing, you know, you know, it, you had to write a letter and then you had to wait for the response. But now we have Instagram. You don't even have to talk to them to know how they're doing. You just look at a picture and instantly, you know, oh, okay, they went to Disney World or they did this or they did that. We don't have to wait for a reply. I mentioned it earlier, phones. I, I'm, I know I'm still young, but I do still remember the days uh, when I was a kid and we didn't have a cell phone. How many remember answering machines? Yeah, my dad had the coolest, he, he loved answering machines because he got to leave cool messages. I, one of them that he, he put was, the shoemakers are not home, or this is the refrigerator speaking. The shoemakers are not home, but you can leave a little message and I'll put it, use one of my magnets, you know, to put it on the fridge. I don't know, he, he's, a, he's a kind of a dork, but he, <laughs> but he had fun, you know, with it. But you called somebody, you called their house phone. They only had one phone. There wasn't a phone number for the wife or the dad or the kids. You know, if you called, you couldn't just, if you called me, you couldn't just call Amber. You had to call one, their one number. And if nobody answered, you left a message and you had to wait for a reply. You had to wait for them to get home, to hear the message. There was, there was even just, you know, 20 years ago. Our society had more patience, but the, with technology and as wonderful as all of it is, I don't, I don't want to just bash technology. There's a lot of wonderful things that have come out of it, but it has spoiled us and has caused us to become impatient. And where it really begins to affect us is that our impatience is now affecting our relationship with the father. That not only are we impatient in our culture, but we're becoming impatient with the Father himself. That we pray, 
And when we don't get an immediate response, we get frustrated. And our lack of patience is causing some to despair in their Christianity. And it's even causing some to leave faith altogether. Because there is no, there is no will to wait for the answer. There is no will to wait for his timing to take place and to come to pass. That when we pray to the Father, we expect instant gratification. And let me tell you something. The Father is patient. He is willing to wait for the right time. But we become frustrated. God, maybe you can relate to some of this. Father, we've been praying for healing in our bodies. And it's been weeks or months or some maybe even years and we've yet to experience the answer to that prayer and we get frustrated or maybe maybe we have a wayward son or daughter and father we've prayed to you for them to encounter you but it seems like they're just getting further and further away why have you not answered our prayers or father we've been praying and crying out for revival for our nation We've been praying for the ending of abortion. And it's been generations. And it seems like things are getting worse and not better. God, when are you going to answer our prayers? And, and, or maybe, God, you've given me a calling and a vision. And you've given me something I know I'm supposed to do with my life. There's promises you have given me. But I'm still in the waiting period. Is it ever going to come to pass? And what happens is, as we become impatient, those things cause us to begin to despair and to question God and begin to maybe even for some put our faith on hold altogether because we've become impatient. And we think, God, if you haven't answered us yet, you're never going to answer us. And this is what Advent teaches us. Advent teaches us, like I read here, in Revelations, that God always was, he always is, but here's the part that we struggle with. He is still coming. There's this tension that the Father always keeps us in, that he always was, that he is here with us. The promise is real. But there's also this element of the father. That he is still coming. And Advent is the season where we learn how to wait. Advent is the season where we learn how to be patient. And to keep expectation alive. And keep hope alive. You know, Mary, I read it, I read it there in Luke chapter two. She, re, she uh, had an encounter with the angel Gabriel who told her that she was going to be pregnant with the son of God himself. And then Mary had to take that promise and wait nine months to see the fulfillment of that promise. And Mary carried she carried that promise. She was pregnant with that promise for nine months. But here's the deal. Mary wasn't just pregnant 
with her own promise. Mary was pregnant with the promise that came at the very beginning of time, at the fall of humanity, where the father comes in and tells Adam and Eve, he says in Genesis, I believe I have the scripture, he says in Genesis, he says that there will be one that comes and he says that he will bruise your heel, but you will crush his head. How many of you realize this is a prophecy about Jesus himself right there in Genesis chapter three, that he is going to come and that the enemy will bruise his heel, but he is going to crush his head. And Mary is carrying this promise. She is pregnant with this promise. She's carrying the promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when the father told them that out of your lineage, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And she is pregnant with the promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She's pregnant with the promise of King David, where, where the father said that, that your offspring, that someone from your offspring will sit on an eternal throne. She is pregnant with David's promise that someone in his, in his lineage will sit on an eternal throne. She is pregnant with the promise of Isaiah that unto us, come on, a child will be born and his name will be wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And, and also in Isaiah, that this baby would be born in his wounds, that by his wounds we would be healed, that through his stripes we would be made well. And Mary is not just carrying her promise, she's carrying the promise that has been there from the very beginning of time. You realize that scholars, and actually, Scholars say this too, that not only is she pregnant with those promises, that in the Old Testament alone, there were over 300 prophecies about Jesus and Mary is pregnant with every single one of them. That between that promise there in Genesis and the birth of Jesus, scholars say that there were somewhere between four to 6,000 years Four to 6,000 years before the promise was birthed through Mary. Talk about waiting. You know, we may be in a hurry, but the Father's not. It says in Revelations, Jesus says, I will be back soon. You realize he's been coming back soon for 2,000 years. It's, it's kind of like, like your wife yelling to you from downstairs that I'll be ready in a minute, right? We, you might as well just sit back and enjoy the process. That God is never late, but he is sometimes last minute, right? He's always on time, but he moves awfully slow. <laughs> and this is the season that they're in, that, that for four to 6,000 years, they waited for the birth of this promise in Jesus. And Mary went through that process. Mary had to go through that process. Let me catch up to my notes here. 
that Mary went through the process in between the time Gabriel had given her the promise and the time Jesus was born, she had to carry that promise. She had to endure the pain and the stretching that the promise, that the waiting, that the pregnancy, that holding that promise took, the pain and the stretching. She had to endure the ridicule of other people calling her promise illegitimate, denying that the promise was true at all. Think, think about that, that for a moment. For us, it's no big deal. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. But what would you do if some lady came up to you and, that is obviously pregnant and said that, that she had never known her husband? You'd probably call her a liar, wouldn't you? Think of the ridicule and the names and, and the, the uh, abandonment that Mary had to feel in this process. That she was a young woman who was not married, who was betrothed to be married, was engaged. But now she's pregnant before she's ever married. Imagine the looks and the comments that she had to endure in this season of being pregnant with promise, but nobody else believing her. How many of you have become pregnant with promise and you are almost, you almost don't want to tell anybody else about it because you know the looks you'll get. You know the comments that will be made. And she was pregnant with promise and had to endure ridicule of other people calling her promise illegitimate, denying that the promise was true. She had to feel the kicks of her promise, knowing that he was in her, but not quite here yet. She felt him moving around in her belly and she had to endure and understand that that hope was there, but he was not yet here yet. And then she had to eventually labor and give birth to the promise. And this is often where we find ourselves when we're contending for promise, when we're waiting for promise to be fulfilled, that there's stretching, that there's pain, that there's ridicule from other people, there's doubts from other people, and many times even doubts within ourselves and from the enemy. We have to labor to bring forth the promise. It doesn't always just come. There, there's, there's not usually an epidural for the promise. There's pain involved. That sometimes we have to feel the kicks of knowing and seeing little glimmers of hope from the promise, but not seeing it fully realized yet. And it's this waiting period. And I'm afraid what happens a lot of times is that we get discouraged in this waiting period. And what we end up doing is aborting the promise because we cannot endure the patience and the process of waiting for it to come to pass. I think we get frustrated with the waiting. We get disappointed. We begin to uh, get drawn into the enemy's words of ridicule and doubt, calling our promise illegitimate. We begin making excuses that maybe we misunderstood the promise. And we grow impatient because we can't endure the season of pregnancy.
Psalms 27 gives us the key to enduring this season of waiting. Psalms 27 tells us how to endure this season of waiting. And the key to enduring this season is actually in the word wait. Psalms 27 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The Hebrew word there for wait is the word kava. It means, obviously it means to wait, but it also means this. It means to bind together and to intertwine. And so what is, what is it saying? That as we bind together with the Lord, he comes in and renews our strength. That as we intertwine ourselves with him, his courage becomes our courage and his strength becomes our strength. The key to enduring the waiting process, the key to embracing the stretching and the ridicule of pregnancy, the key to holding on to the not yet is understanding that he is. That in the waiting, that in the not yet, we have to embrace the he is. Right? He was. He is coming. But praise God, he is. That in the waiting, as we intertwine ourselves, as we bind together with him, with the he is, then the Bible says that he comes in and he begins to encourage our hearts. That he comes in and he begins to strengthen that you do not have to muster up courage and strength on your own. That as you bind together with the he is of God, that he comes in and he encourages you. He comes in and he strengthens you. That he comes in and he gives you hope to be able to endure the process of waiting. That he reminds you of the verses that say that by his stripes you are healed. He reminds you of the prodigal son story. That the father was waiting and the son finally came to realize where he was and he came home. He reminds you that, that oh, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Meaning that even though it looks dark in our nation right now, that even though it looks like the enemy has come in like a flood, but the Bible reminds us that the day he was born, his kingdom never stopped increasing. It never stopped growing, that he has never once given any one iota of authority to any of our enemies. That he is always, that his government is always increasing. That even though it looks dark, the government still rests on his shoulders. And that though we are waiting for revival, though we are waiting for our nation to turn back to God, that even in that waiting, he reminds us that his government, that his throne that he is still sitting on that throne of authority. And as we bind together with him in the waiting, he will renew our strength. Amen? That he renews our strength in the waiting. Isaiah 40 says, Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up on wings of eagles. They will run and not get weary. They shall walk 
and not faint. That in the waiting, as we are waiting for the not yet, he is. And when he is, as we bind ourselves together with him, he encourages our heart. Come on, that's good news. That's good news. And here, I want to say this too. It came to me last night as we were at a concert in Maverick City. This, this phrase that they sing, if he said it, he will do it. That he is a man of his word. So if he's promised you something, he will fulfill it. And that's why we have hope. And that's why Christian hope is different than the world's hope. The world's hope, they're hoping for things that they don't know if it's going to happen or not. They don't know if they're going to be able to get the career they want or they're going to be able to see something come to pass. They're just hoping. It's blind hope. But our hope is sure because our hope comes from a place of the, uh, comes from somebody who keeps his word. And our hope, even though we haven't seen it yet, we can know confidently that it will come to pass because of the one who said it. If he said it, I believe it. If he said it, I believe it. And this morning, more than anything else, what I feel like I've come to do this morning is to reinvigorate that hope inside of you. That if you are pregnant with promise that has not come to pass yet, that if he said it, he will complete it. And in the labor process, in the pregnancy process, in the stretching, bind yourself together with his word. Bind yourself together with the God who is right now on the inside of you. The God who, that, that says that I am in you and you are in me. Intertwine yourself with him. And as you do, he will encourage your heart. He will strengthen you. He will give you the courage and the patience to wait. And in the midst of that waiting, there will be joy and peace. And, and in that waiting, there will be joy and peace because you know he will, he will do what he said he was going to do. I'm going to end with this thought. Mary gets pregnant. And she's carrying... Jesus. And sometime in between when she got pregnant and when she um, eventually gave birth to Jesus, she went and visited her cousin Elizabeth. And the Bible says that when she walked into the room, that something inside of Elizabeth, that the baby that was inside of Elizabeth says that it leaped inside of her. And then it says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The thrill of hope. That Elizabeth experienced that thrill of hope. She realized in that moment what was to come. That was not here yet. And because of that, there was this hope that rised up inside of her. And within that too, I just, this is a little caveat. I want to say, if you're in that season of pregnancy where you're waiting for that promise to be fulfilled, surround yourself with Elizabeths. Surround yourself with people who can see what you see. 
that even though it's not here yet, they can see what you see. They see the promise and they encourage you in that promise. Surround yourself with those people. But again, this morning, my prayer is that what the Holy Spirit does in you this morning is what he did in Elizabeth. That that promise begins to resonate once again on the inside of you. That it begins to leap on the inside of you. That your hope gets restored once again. That you become encouraged in the waiting season. That you become strengthened in the waiting season. Paul, would you come play for a minute? Thank you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and just stand together just for a minute. And I want to pray specifically for those who feel like they've been pregnant with promise. Who are waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. I just want to pray over you this morning. If that's you, I, I just if, if you would, just, just raise your hands to the Father. Don't raise your hands so I can see who you are. Just raise your hands and surrender to him. And Jesus, I just pray for those right now who are pregnant with promise, who are waiting for something that you've given them to become fulfilled. And some of them, some of us are waiting for some pretty big things. And some of us in this room, I've been waiting for a very long time. And I, I, I know that the longer we wait, the heavier it feels like that promises. God, I pray today that there would be a renewed sense of hope inside of them. God, that you would leap inside of them like John the Baptist leaped inside of Elizabeth, Father. That they would experience today the thrill of hope. God, that as they intertwine themselves with you, as they bind together with you in the waiting, that you would come in this moment and encourage their heart, Father. God, that you would strengthen their spirit. God, that you would help them to remove any sense of doubt, any lack of faith. And Father, that you would replace that heaviness with the garment of praise. God, that they would have joy evermore and everlasting. God, that the peace that surpasses understanding would rest on them. Father, that even, even the, uh, the, uh, the criticism maybe from others or maybe from the enemy, God, that it wouldn't even phase them anymore because they know if you said it, they believe it. God, restore hope for your promises today. Restore hope for your promises today. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for this Advent season. God, that you even, you planted within our calendar a lesson for us to learn in waiting for the coming. God, I thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega, and you are everything in between. 
And God, you are with us even now. Thank you, Jesus.